calling all conscious achievers who are seeking more community and connection, I've got an invitation for you. Join me at this year's Summit of Greatness this September 7th through 9th in my hometown of Columbus, Ohio to unleash your true greatness. This is the one time a year that I gather the greatness community together in person for a powerful transformative weekend. People come from all over the world and you can expect to hear from inspiring speakers like Inky Johnson, Jaspreet Singh, Vanessa Van Edwards, Jen Sincero, and many more. You'll also be able to dance your heart out to live music, get your body moving with group workouts, and connect with others at our evening socials. So if you're ready to learn, heal, and grow alongside other incredible individuals in the greatness community, then you can learn more at lewishouse.com slash summit 2023. Make sure to grab your ticket, invite your friends, and I'll see you there. When you realize like, hey, life is already short and fragile. If I'm spending my time cowering in fear or worrying, what you're actually doing is. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% off your next 12 pack head to amazon and use promo code 20 pure leaf that's promo code 20 p-u-r-e-l-e-a-f for 20 percent off take your business further with the smart and flexible american express business gold card it's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases that's the powerful backing of american express learn more at americanexpress.com slash business gold card Okay, quick math. The less your business depends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep, obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite and you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks head to netsuite.com slash greatness netsuite.com slash greatness again head to netsuite.com slash greatness welcome to this special master class we've brought some of the top experts in the world to help you unlock the power of your life through this specific theme today it's going to be powerful so let's go ahead and dive in 
if there were three things that everyone could take away from the Stoics to improve the quality of their life right now, first, what would that be? I got some good ones. So um, one of the questions we ask ourselves when we're like afraid of something, when we're thinking about, we go, but what about me? What would I do if, right? Like we're worried. And Marcus Aurelius goes, you'll meet that with the same weapons you've met all your other problems. Mm -hmm. So remembering that like, hey, you've been scared before and you're still here. Right. So we often often what our fear is really doing is underestimating or undercounting how good we actually are right. at what we do. Like you're not you're you're not suddenly tomorrow going to be a helpless loser. You're the same person you are today. Mm -hmm. And what will you do? You'll figure it out. Just like um, if you quit your job, you'd be like, I'm quitting and I'm going to go find a new job. Mm -hmm. But if you got fired, that suddenly feels like disempowered whereas the other one feels very empowered. So remembering what you're capable of, mm -hmm. to me, is really important. Okay, that's um, one. Number two, uh, the Stoics say that we should always be training. So one of the reasons I think it's important to have like a physical practice, one of the reasons it's good to seek out adversity and difficulty is so when stuff happens, you're ready. Epictetus, uh, one of the early Stoics, he's, he's actually a slave, and he says like, you want to get to a point where when stuff happens, you're able to say, like, this is what I trained for. Right. Like, you knew this could happen. Man. And you did the work. Yes. Before you go into the next one, it's it's right when the pandemic happened, I was like, this sucks. And yet I've been training for this for the last, like, 12, 13 years of my life. Yes. Because in 2008, when I, well, in 2007, I got injured and had surgery. And then 2008, the housing crisis, and there were no jobs for someone like yeah. me without a college degree that was ignorant from school. I was like, I better develop myself so that when this happens again in 5, 10, 20 years, I'm ready to take on any adversity. Yeah. Maybe it's not fun and it's still challenging, but I'm prepared and ready. And I spent 13 years training for that moment. And I felt a sense of... Kind of weirdly, I felt a sense of peace that gave me the energy and the clarity to take action and shift where I needed to and lead from a place of courage as opposed to, and I wasn't perfect, yeah. but lead from a more calm, peaceful place as opposed to ah, frantic, fearful place. Well, look, preparation makes you brave, yes. right? You prepared so you were ready. And then I think also because you remembered what you felt then, oh, man. you were also in a position to lead mm -hmm. and understand what people who were not as prepared what they're experiencing yeah what they're experiencing yes. it yes. sucks yeah so you can have empathy like you talked about you can connect with people in that way okay so always be training always be learning something new training yourself physically mentally emotionally and the, the third the third one would be this stoic exercise of memento mori which basically means remember you will die and i actually carry a coin in my pocket that says this um but i think when you realize like, hey, life is already short and fragile, like I don't need to, I, if I'm spending my time cowering in fear or worrying, I'm acting as if I have a, a certain power over things that I don't. There's this famous Stoic story uh, where like the emperor uh, sees this Stoic philosopher he hates and he's like, he's like, I'm, I'm threatening you to, or I'm sentencing you to death. And he's like, I was already sentenced to death. At right? some point. Yeah. yeah He's yeah. like, you have no more power over me than, than I had, than, than life the, itself Than Mother has. Nature. Yeah, yeah, just exactly. be dying. And so realizing that, that life is... I, I think sometimes people can miss this. Like, memento mori doesn't mean like, oh, like, 
uh, don't wear a motorcycle helmet or pretend the pandemic is not real. That's not what it's saying. But it's saying like, hey, um, focus on the parts of safety and concern that that are in your control. But if you're wasting your time being afraid, mm-hmm. I, I, that's something I thought a lot about in the pandemic. It's like, look, I don't know, especially early on. We don't know where this is going. Don't know what it means. Don't know what is ticking clock is in anyone's body, right? What pre, pre-existing condition you might have or bad piece of luck you got. So you take it seriously. But within that, what are you doing with your time, right? Like, what are you going to spend your time on? Mm-hmm. So if you're, spe- if you're spending that time worrying, uh, stressing, watching the news out, all day. Yeah, yeah you're, what you're actually doing is rejecting the life that you have in front of you in this mm-hmm. moment. It's so kind of like, kind of like a longer eclipse. It's yes. like there's an eclipse that's happening. We don't know what this is, but uh, you know, you can sit there and worry and fear for those five minutes of the eclipse or whatever, or you can look up and enjoy it and do something with your time and exactly. make, make the most of this and prepare and strategize and organize your time. Yeah, uh, James Stockdale, who, who spends seven years in a prison camp in Vietnam, uh, who reads the Stoics, um, he says, you know, he gets there and he goes, I never lost sight of the fact that I controlled the end of the story, mm. right? So if he got out, that he would control the end, he would decide what he said, and that I could turn this into something that in retrospect, I would not have traded for. And Isn't that crazy? That's incredible. It's like Mandela as well. It's like what, yeah. 25 years or something. So, so I think we have, it takes courage to say, yeah. this thing happened to me and I wouldn't have chosen it. I didn't want it. But now that it's here, I'm going to face it. I'm going to apply all my training and experience towards it. And then mm. I'm not going to waste my life being bitter, resentful, afraid, uh, passive about it. And I'm just going to get to work turning it into something. Yeah. I'm not sure if this is 100% true or accurate, but I heard someone say that Bhutan is like the happiest country. I'm not, really? I'm not sure if you've heard of this. It's because, I don't know if everyone does this or just some people do this there, they focus on their death five times a day. Interesting. They think about their death five times a day. And so there's an app. I think it's called Croaked. Or, yes, or you will, Or You Will Croak or you yeah. will, something like that where five times a day. I had it for a while. It sends you a reminder you're going to die yeah. with an inspiring quote. That has you reflect on your death five times a day um, to, re- to remind yourself. Do you have this on your phone? No, no. Did I give you one of these? The this coin? is what I carry in my pocket. Yeah. Let me see. Oh, nice. Um, you should just carry that. I keep, okay. It's like a nice weight. So I spin it. And, and the idea is... You could, leave your, uh, you could leave life right now. And the rest of that quote... So Mark Sweeney says, you could leave life right now. And then he says, let that determine what you do and say and think. And so that, so to me, the, the power of meditating on your death is that it puts everything in perspective, right? Um, it doesn't make things meaningless. It actually makes them meaningful because in, so it, it, it says like, if this doesn't matter, I shouldn't be doing it. And if it does matter, I should be doing it as if it is the last time mm. that you get to do it. Right. Like I think... One of the things, I don't know about you, but like as like an ambitious or driven person, I find myself like rushing a lot, mm-hmm. right? Like, like got to go here, got to go there. This is taking too long. I don't want to wait. Um, I even found myself like, like my son, he, he often like naps in the car. So it's like, 
he's you're in the car as long as he's asleep. And I'll I'll find myself like you're behind a slow driver. Oh, and you're right. like I got to get around this. And then I'm like but I'm not going anywhere, right? Yeah. Like I'm rushing. And so what what I've what I've started to remind myself is like what are you rushing towards? You're rushing towards death, right? Not just because speeding is unsafe, but uh. you're rushing towards like as you're rushing out of a moment, you're rushing away from life. Um, Seneca talks about he says. Don't think of death as happening in the future. Think of death as happening right now. Really? Why? And the time says so because the time that passes belongs to death, right? Like so, when you when you die, you're like you've lived eighty years, but yes. you've also that's eighty dead years that can never come back. Mm-hmm. So if you think about the time that passing as being death happening, like you're every minute you're getting closer to death. Um, you don't wow. want to rush through a moment. You right. want to fully experience the moment. Even if you're waiting in line or behind a car or impatient. This is life. And when you're rushing, you're rushing away from it or you're rushing toward death. Wow. And so you slow down and you go, okay, I've been alive 34 years. Right. What do I have to, sh- like, Did I was I alive for 34 years? Or was I rushing? Right, or was I rushing away to, to get to 35? But maybe I die at 35, right? You don't know. So, so if you if you just go like the present is here, I'm going to be controlled enough and courageous enough to just this is enough. This is it. Doesn't need to be anything or anywhere else. I'm just going to be here, and I'm not going to rush away. And and I kids have really been helpful for this because you're like, oh, not only am I rushing potentially like towards death, but you're at the very least they will never be this age again. So as you're trying right. to as you're trying to get this over with, you 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 have to intellectually you miss those years. Yeah, yeah, and eventually you're gonna you be like, oh, if only they were five again, right? Like I, you know, but you when they were five, you wanted it to be over, and so the screaming, the crying, the <laughs> pooping, or whatever it is, it's like, oh, I wish they could do this on their own, but you look back and you be don't like, really want that. Yeah. So so you want them to stay there forever. You're like, of course, to capture this moment. Yeah. And, and that's this is true even for the shitty stuff. Like yeah. even when you're stuck in traffic, even when right. you're home with the flu, even when, like so true. It's like I don't know if you think about this. I mean, you've you've always just been like talented and successful your entire life, unlike me, where I struggled and went through pain for years. But I feel like, especially the years after my dream was over, playing football, and I was like, well, who am I? What is my identity? What is the value I add to the world if this was my value? How can I, you know, just survive and thrive in this world without that value or identity anymore? I remember just being in a state of uncertainty for a while and wanting to get out of it. Yeah. Wanting to, to have a job, wanting to launch a business, wanting to have money, wanting to have an audience, wanting to have a book, all these different things, wanting to have something. Yeah. And when I look back and I'm like, man, those moments were really meaningful of what I was living and learning moment and day by day. The struggle, the pain, the adversity. Like, I'm recreating that in other ways just by trying to get to the next level, but I'll never live that aspect, those moments again, the specific time. Well, And when you got those things... Was it as magical as you thought it would be? It never is. It wasn't. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't as fulfilling. Uh, it was cool to see like a full circle and reflect back, but it was never like, oh, this is, I've made it, you know? You never feel like you've made no. it. And so that, like, I, I talk about this a little bit uh, in some of my stuff where, like, what will happen is you get to the medal stand, right? You, you right. New York Times bestseller, Olympic gold medal, 
you know, uh, all American, what, whatever the thing is, mm-hmm. right? And it there's an anticlimacticness to Very. it. Very. After remember, 10 minutes, you're yeah, like, now You what? talk about this in the School of Greatness. Yes. You're like, now what? So the problem is people can learn. You can go two ways. You feel the now what? So you can go, now, oh, I got to find something really meaningful. I got to go like, bigger. Well, no, no. So you either, either you look at that and you're like, oh, it was never about accomplishments. Uh-huh. It was always about being present and meaning and connection and the friends you made along the way. Right, right. Or, or you go, oh, it's that I have to do it again. Or, oh, it wasn't a million dollars. It was a billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. And so you can see why that moving of the goalposts creates really successful people. Um, but they are rarely happy people. Happy or fulfilled. Yes. Or and pe- they often, or peaceful inside. Yes. And, and I think it's the journey I'm on, what I'm trying to do, I would like to be proof that it is possible to be world class at what you do and come from a place of contentment and fullness, not have to do, not being like, I just need this, then I will be good. Because mm. you're never, ever good. There's always going to be some writer better than you or someone that writes a book in a way that's different than you or some whatever. This could be someone more talented, more successful, I remember the richer. Per- you know. Of course. I mean, you meet someone. There's a, there's a story about uh, Joseph Heller and Kurt Vonnegut. Kurt Vonnegut wrote Slaughterhouse-Five. Joseph Heller wrote Catch-22, two of the great writers of the 20th century. And they're at this party. And you've been at parties like this mm-hmm. where, like, you're at a much richer person, right? <laughs> yeah. Like like one of those, you're like, why am I why? even here? <laughs> and, and Kurt Vonnegut is teasing Joseph Heller. And he says, like, you know this guy made more money this week than your book will make in its entire life. Right. And he says, yeah, but I have something he doesn't have. What's and that? And he's like, what could that possibly be? And he says, I have enough. Ooh. And... Ooh. And, and it's, it's not that that guy just wrote Catch-22 and then he sat on his He wrote other great stuff. He did great work. He just wasn't coming at it from a place of craving. Like, you know, we mm. had that word thirst. Like, he wasn't thirsty. He was, he was quenched, but he was doing it because he actually liked it. Mm-hmm. I remember I, the first time one of my books hit number one, I was mowing the lawn at my house. And my agent, Steve, called me. Mm-hmm. And I was like... Now I have to finish mowing this lawn. You know, like it was like, like it was like okay, at a ten minute moment, yeah. I'm still here, like pushing yeah, this it, thing. And, and then you realize, like, oh, it's never going to be. I don't know what yeah. I thought it was going to be, but I didn't think it was going to be that. And I feel grateful that I didn't think, oh, I have to have back to back number ones. Mm-hmm. That will be it. You know, it's interesting. I remember Steve when Steve called me because we were the same agent, and when I hit number, I didn't hit number one, but I hit the New York Times bestseller right. list. And I remember for like. An hour just being like, wow, this is something I dreamed about. But then after an hour, like calling everyone and being like, congratulations, I was like, did anything change? Like nothing really changed. I accomplished a a thing. Yeah, there wasn't like opening up the gates and money dropping down or people calling me. It's like a few people noticed and a few, okay, you do one post on Instagram and then people compliment and then people move on. on And time moves on, you know, it's. On this book, I'm actually thinking about that because you know when you do a book, there's this whole lane of prioritization of like, how do you get on the list? Yes. And it takes a lot of your time and energy. Man. And why do you do it? it it's obviously there's some business reasons, but part of it mm-hmm. is, if not ego, it's this like people said that's important. So you're like, yes. that's as good a target as any. On this one, and I'm a little bit of a thing with my publisher where I'm like, no, I just want to like get as many books in people's hands as possible. So I'm like ignoring all that. But there's a kind of a fear there because it's like, 
Man. The one benefit of that strategy is that the success is clear and objective and recognizable by other people. Yes. So like the book's going to come out. I I know it's doing well. I already know the track that it's on. But like, I'm not saying I'm going to get condolences, but there are people who are going to be like, oh, I guess it didn't work as well. You know, mm. like, so, so, so. Well, it's kind of been like all your books. They like didn't hit right away. It's like two years later. Now it's number one. But I, and it's crushing. I, just the idea of like, hey, I you have to, to determine what success is to you and to not base it on right. what other people like. That's I, so hard. That's courage. It, it's hard I, to do. I tell that. you what, for me, the last two years, I've been working on developing a new book, but I've also been like, gosh, do I do the traditional publisher thing? And I've been having these conversations, but I'm like, I just want to let that go and just write a good book that people are impacted by. Right. But it's like, oh, do you worry about you know the advance and what people are going to ask you about it, or do you not care about that at all? Yeah. Self-publish it and just try to help as many people as possible. Is there a balance? And literally, it has been holding me back until in the last like six weeks, the last couple of years, I've been in this limbo. I think one because I've been trying to like build my business yeah. and the, the pandemic and shifting, and but this has been on my mind this conversation for two years during all this, and what it's the- not until now where I'm just like. Okay, I need to get clear, and I just need to take action and do it from the highest level uh, place possible. Do things that are smart as well right. for business, but also just do what's going to help as many people. What's well, a safety net, right? Yeah. To do it, to to do the conventional like this mm-hmm. is how it's done is safer because yeah. like then no one's going to be like, "What an idiot!" Right? Or like, "Oh, he's falling off the wagon." Exa- or yeah, yeah, he's a loser. It didn't work. Uh-huh. Uh, you know he's on the decline yeah and and so the decision to like do stuff that you care about that that requires sort of like burning the boats behind yes. you and just going like i'm on this journey and i think it's particularly hard in today's world where you know there's view counts mm-hmm. and likes like there's so much more public quantification of what uh what's done and and like when i talk to sports teams i sometimes say that i'm a little bit jealous so it's like it's obvious whether they're doing a good job or not. You're jealous? So, like, uh, I, of who? I, I love the clarity of sports. Like oh, right, win, right. lose. Win, loss, how track many points, and field, yes. Stats. Did you get the height or not? Yes. But the reality is in the, the world that the rest of us exist in. It's like a committee and how many people like it. Who you're you're following. running your yeah. own race. Yeah. Like you have to decide what success yeah, is. I know. And that means, uh, that means criticizing yourself when you mm. fall short of your own metrics. And it also means congratulating yourself on a success that perhaps other people don't recognize. Right. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host 
So listen, we all know life is full of yada yada, like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print. And I know you've dealt with yada yada before, like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else. And yes, it is possible to outsmart yada yada, like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you want the best, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. Like when you're trying to buy tickets for the best seat at your favorite team's big game, or when you're hiring for your business and you wanna find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. With ZipRecruiter, you can find qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com greatness. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I believe finding the right team member is one of the most important steps in setting up my company for success. We like to ensure our new hires will be a good fit before they're even on the team. So I am grateful that I have ZipRecruiter's help when we want to grow the team fast. Amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash greatness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. The success could be just, I'm proud of this chapter I wrote in this week or this month, even though no one's going to be see it. Yeah. No one's like buying this, but I'm proud of the work that I'm putting in, the effort, the energy, the process. I've tried to get to, I, I would say that on my first book, I was 10%, this is a success because I made it and it was the best I was capable of. And 90%, let's see what the results are. Like, mm. let's see how it does. And I would like to think that as I've gone forward, that's slowly flipped and that I'm now 90, it's already a success because it exists. Even if no one buys this, I it's put my the best effort work. In. Yeah, yeah. And then 10% like bonus, mm -hmm. like, hey, it worked, won awards, got recognition. But isn't it the, uh, like we talked about in the beginning, there's kind of like three levels to like a book. There's the, the mastery of writing the book, which you've become one of the greatest writers of our time in, in distilling wisdom, ancient wisdom, and creating practical examples on how you can actually do this for today's life. And millions of people have read your books, but you could master writing the book, but you also have to master doing the marketing and promotion and, and putting yourself out there and communicating it. And then master being patient. Of like yeah. Maybe put out the great book and no one cared about it right now for a few years, but then you be patient and people start buying it. Well, I think you wanna rank them. So the, the Stoics say that their first task in life, the most important task in life is what is up to me and what is not up to me? Like separating things into the category of, is it in my control, is it not in my control? So as I look at like any project or business or whatever, I prioritize based on like what's most in my control to what's least in my control. So like the first mastery the, of the, the thing itself. Like, is it the best album, the best video, the best, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. live event it could possibly be? You have 
as much control over that as you're going to have of anything because that's yours. So like there you have the ability to get most of the win before it's even out. Mm -hmm. Then marketing and promotion and communicating and talking about it, that's like more something you have influence over as opposed to something you control, right? Because it's like uh, what's happening in the world, you know, like how on point or trend is your thing, you know? Um, are you, but it's also, are you willing to put in the time? Are you willing to, yes. so many people just think they're better than that. And so they don't do it. Um, and then the third part is the patience or the time, or it, it's like, you gotta, the, the audience will like it. You imagine you're Herman Melville, you write Moby Dick, it gets savaged. Everyone's like, this is not just not good. This it's is horrible. Horrible. Yeah, yeah. You should be, uh, we're offended that you did it. And then only like towards the end of your life and after your life. Does it finally get the recognition you deserve? So that that part's the least in your control. And you have to be somewhat detached from that. Right. Um, because if you're sitting, if you wake up every day and you're like, is this the day that people finally recognize me for all my contributions? You have handed your happiness over right. to something that's not up to you. It's true. It's funny as you were saying that, um, I grew up in a religion called Christian Science that a woman uh, discovered this religion and wrote a book called Science and Health. Yeah. And this is the same time back in the late 1800s when Mark Twain was around. And they were kind of like frenemies, I guess. And, right. and Mark Twain wrote a, an entire book trashing this woman, Mary Baker Eddy, and her, her findings of, you know, the science behind healing. It was essentially like the science of Jesus' healing. Okay. Here's how it works. Here's how the mind works and how we can heal ourselves. And he wrote an entire book bashing her and the religion called Christian Science, which was like this critical of her work because she kept writing the same book with expanded updates every year, like so many different editions of the same book. Yeah. And it kept hitting number one. (laughs) And he had to write new books all the time. So I think he was just frustrated that this woman kept writing the same book over and over with like, here's more finding and research and science of how the mind and body is healed through the mind. And it's funny, like, she just kept going because she was focused on the work and healing people one at a time and the message spread. But I think it's interesting that, um, for, a reason, for a reason that came up for me, because we're, the more you put your work out there, the more criticized it's going to be uh, open to. You know, there's more people are going to be willing to criticize it. And I think a lot of people aren't ready for criticism. They're not trained to deal. No one teaches you how to deal with criticism when you have an audience. No, no one teaches, because well, it's, it's a champagne problem that a lot of people never get to. Yes. So there's not like a lot of instructions, uh-huh. but it is inevitable. And like, you have to realize, one. Of, I, I've realized a couple of things. One is like, critics are almost always louder than your fans. Like mm. people who dislike something are much louder than the people who are like, oh, Why is that's that? pretty good. Why is that? I think it's one feels more strongly than the other. Like the stuff I like, I'm like, cool. Right. right? Yeah. You know, but then when you really hate something, you're like, I need them to suffer the, how I am suffering. So a lot of times I think you're just just different levels of enthusiasm. So when was the moment then where you were able to look at yourself and realize I have either conquered this inner rage, beast, whatever you want to call it, and you do have control? Well, I have to go, now we go flash forward. Yes. Okay. Um, my wife and I had been through, you know, 
first of all, in 2010, it was the end of our marriage. We had been married 20 years. Wow. And, you know, this whole time I had had an addiction to pornography mm -hmm. and I had never told her. And 10 years earlier, mm -hmm. I had, you know, basically cheated on her at a mm -hmm. massage parlor. Right. But I, I vowed I'd never tell anybody. I vowed. I said, man, I'm taking this to my grave. It's not happening. But see, you got to uh, understand another thing, too, is there's this competition, but also this guilt that I was always you know, carrying. Because rage. of that. Yeah, yeah. Because creates of that. Rage. Yeah, of course. And shame. Shame. I, rage. I used to get into arguments. So she, she asked me questions like, have you ever, do you watch porn? So like, hey, no, don't even bring that up. What are you talking about? You know what? No, I, I, listen, I don't know who you think you are. And start. An argument, so mm -hmm. she'd be like, "I'm out," just so she wouldn't bring up more, because I knew what I was doing. Right, and I knew that I wasn't living right. I mean, the one thing is, it's almost like, you know, you say one lie, mm -hmm. and it turns into two, turns into ten. And it eats you inside of you too. You talking about ten years now? I vowed I'd never tell anybody. And my wife was always like, she would just bring up stuff like, "What is it? What, what are you doing, man? I don't, I don't know." You ever cheat on me? Stuff like that. And I'm like, no, I, I, don't know what, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, and angry, angry. And what you would do, and, and one thing that I would do is project. Of course. So I was like, what, why are you saying that? Are you thinking about cheating? You know, in turn, and again, this manipulative game that you could play with the people you love, right. the people who love you, or you claim to love, just so you can keep your thing together, you know what I mean? And let me, this is the thing, Lewis, is that I realized that the image of Terry Crews was more important than who Terry Crews was. Dang. And I had to worship that image. Who? And it ran everything. Because what would happen if who Terry Crews was really came out? Instead right. of the image, what would happen then? Well, my mindset, I had a play. I, I was like, I'd lose everything. First of all, my wife would leave. My People who knew me would be ashamed. People who knew me would be, they would run away. Everybody would be done. All of it would be finished. Every bit of who I, you know, if, if people found out who I really, really was, mm. or what I was really, really thinking and contemplating, how I had done then it would be the end of me. Wow. So I decided that we're going we gonna to put this image up and we're going to prop it up. Mm -hmm. And it's like having an image on these really weak posts. You know what I mean? It would get bumped and it's like way swaying and you're doing everything you can to hold it. I got to put another beam up on there just to hold it up because it's getting rickety. Mm -hmm. And the longer it goes, the more rickety it gets. And it all fell. 2010. Wow. And my wife was like, I'm out. I'm done. And because what happened was she finally asked me, because we had just been getting farther and farther apart yeah. over the years. And she said, you know, what is it? I don't know about you, Terry Crews. And I told her. I told her about what happened 10 years earlier. Now, in my head, I'm like, hey, that was 10 years ago. But for her, it was today. Mm. And she was like, I'm out. Wow. Don't come home. And what I realized is that she had married an image. And what she realized is that she didn't know me. Right. She was like, who are you? And I let her stay in that. 
And one thing about men is that what we're looking for is intimacy. Like literally someone who knows us inside and out and loves us anyway. But if you never reveal who you really are, you can never ever have intimacy. Mm, amen to that. You understand what I mean? Man. You can't. It's impossible. Because you have to know who you are. Absolutely. You have to re- share who you are. But the game is not to share who you right. are. So you can have sex all day. Mm-hmm. Lots of sex. Because that's still part of the image. But it doesn't have anything to do with intimacy. Right. Anything to do with someone. This is why, this is why you always love your mom. Because your mom knows who you are. Right, right. Everything. Everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? She cleaned, she cleaned your nose. Yeah, she yeah. wiped your butt. She, yeah. got, she knows when you lie. She knows uh, the bad you. She knows the good you. Yeah. And she loves you anyway. That's why you, mom, mom is queen of the world. Mm-hmm. But you didn't tell everything to this chick. No. To this lady. <laughs> yeah. To your wife. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God. And do years of therapy. I finally went in to deal with these issues, man. Mm. Now, the thing about, in my culture, um, where I grew up, the, no, one, the, no one does therapy. The mind was, you can't cure crazy. Mm. That was the phrase that was said, hey, you can't cure crazy. And then you're talking about in religious circles, they were like, oh, you're going to get them demons. The demons are going to come if you go to that psychology. They're going to mess with your brain and make you crazy. So my father, there was one time my father went to a psychologist to get help for his alcoholism. And a week later, the the psychologist jumped off a bridge. And I was like, what? Wow. Huh? Oh, man. He jumped off a bridge, man. And I said, okay, that don't work. That's that's not going to work. So, no. And I thought these guys are going to make me crazy. So that was the thing. Like, when when that broke for me, when my wife left, I was at... My wits in. Like, I said, man, I got to try this therapy stuff, you know, because I'd heard enough about it mm-hmm. over the years. What was the greatest lessons therapy has taught you, though? Man, assembly required. Okay? When I say this, we all think we as men or people are as good as we are. We, we just take me as I am. We make mm-hmm. songs about it. Mm-hmm. Take me just as I am. No, 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 no. But the problem is, this thing is, it's like, it's not anybody else's job to assemble you. You are like Legos, okay? Legos come in a box. You shake the box, it's, look, it's just pieces. And in a com- very competitive world, people tell you, you're broke. Hey man, look at your box. You broke it. But what I learned is that you're never, you're not broken. You're just not finished. Mm-hmm. You, it's up to you to assemble yourself. You have to work on you. You have to pay, take off the parts that are bad or broke or that don't fit. Because nothing's broken. It's just things don't fit. And you pull it off and you put it back together the right way. It's like when you go, but you gotta go deep, mm-hmm. and you gotta go down you with, with, with wounds, computers. Yeah. It's a bit with with uh, um, with property or, or the minerals. It's atoms, mm-hmm. and and with human beings, it's genes. I mean, it's down into the core. You get one little gene, and you can rebuild yourself. 
that's what I got from therapy. I was mm. like, holy cow, you can take the bad out. It's not automatic. Yeah. You know, a lot of people have said it's either nature versus nurture. But nurture always works. No matter what your nature started out right. as. You understand what I mean? Like, nurture is, you're in the woods. Like, nature is, you be born naked in the woods. But nurture is, you learn to, build, to make a coat uh-huh. and put it on. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you know what I'm saying? You yeah. can build a house. Why do you think it's so hard for us to be 100% authentic in relationships? Yeah. If you would ask somebody about your characteristics, like your personality, for instance, what your strengths might be, that's what you've come across that you feel as if is a good machinery to make it in this life, right? So this is like, you know, I'm, maybe I'm charismatic, maybe I'm hardworking, maybe I'm analytical, maybe I'm, you know, competitive, maybe I'm these ways. Somewhere along the lines of your life, you realized this would be a good thing. Mm-hmm. And this gets me a little further forward. Gets all of these elements. Yeah. Very good. So, so then there I am in life being this way. And the more successful it is, the more I'm going to be this way. So now more and more and more like this to the point where there's no distinction between this thing and me. Like we are the same now. It's this, there's no line anywhere. It's just all how you would explain yourself now. What you also realize, though, is that those ways don't work everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so what people call imposter syndrome is basically just the realization that your, your shtick don't stick. Mm-hmm. Like you're like, my stuff don't work here. <laughs> <laughs> and so people are like, oh, well, I feel like I'm an imposter. Well, well, you are in many ways, but not in the way you might think. You are an imposter. There's a you there doing another you. But behind that you really is you. So how do we get behind that you? How do we break down the thing that's been working for so long, but maybe won't continue to work in the next evolution? If I'm, for instance, competitive, right? And it's a trait of mine, and it's stood me in good stead, and I've created a life from that, and maybe some success from that, or in my case, hardworking, right? But it could be other things. It could be analytical, and it could be... And this is obviously a, a kind of... These are ways of being. This yes. is an ontological element, right? Or the element of being a human being. So if I'm competitive, I can point to all the places where that's really done me done me well, right? right? Sports. and Maybe, or maybe I'm in sales, mm-hmm. right? Or maybe I'm, you know, like I'm building my own business, right? I mean, these are, this is a strength here, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, try taking that home. In relationships, it doesn't work. It's a crap show, right? Like, it's yeah. like, this is not going to work for me. You know, it's fascinating. I would say I defined my identity, a piece of my identity, most of my life as a competitor, Yeah. right? Being in sports yeah. and using sports as a tool to make myself feel better, to prove the bullies wrong from childhood, yeah. all those things and say, I'm going to make something of myself. Yeah. I'm going to win at all costs in sports and things like that. I started early in my twenties to translate that into business and it worked in a sense, Yes. but it left me feeling more, I don't know, against people than it was with people. All right, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Right, so there you are, and you were having an experience mm-hmm. that this competitiveness actually wasn't working for you. Right, it wasn't. Right. It, was getting, though, it was getting results in some way, but not results in the other ways. Right, and so you're starting to see something there, though, that's really interesting to me, and that is, here you are being yourself, right. but hold on a minute. 
as this myself? Yeah, and why am I suffering inside? And why am I going through these challenges? Right. So yeah. I want to know is what's the thing that's suffering then? Like, what's that? Yeah, I guess it was uh, the identity that this isn't working. Like who I am or the way I'm being isn't working fully. It's right. working partially to get certain results, but it's not creating peace inside. All right. So I would flip it the other way. I would flip it the other way. Look at it from the other direction. That is... It's fine for the, this competitive expression, uh-huh. but not okay for you. Absolutely. And it's the you, that you, that I'm interested in. I'm interested in that. Because that thing right there, what matters to that thing? And so you actually pointed to it. So the thing that mattered to you then was people. Absolutely. You, but you see how like that competitiveness was now the barrier between you Absolutely. and people. Each moment is an opportunity to detour into fear, and then we create a world of fear-based perceptions. Mm. And so what we must do to live and thrive and feel good is undo those fear-based perceptions, and I believe through a spiritual path or through maybe a therapeutic path. I mean, I think spirit's in all of it, whether you realize it or not. But to make a commitment to feel better means that you're committed to returning to God. Or love, or, or you know, spirit, whatever or, you yeah. call it, yes. You also talk about how um, we have guides. And it's funny because my girlfriend, who's amazing, and uh, she'll always tell me, she's like, you know, your angels are always yeah, watching you. Yeah, she's a spiritual being, right? She's like, I can see it. I have an, there's angels that are always supporting me whenever I'm in trouble. I'm like mm-hmm. focused on my angels. Mm-hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. where are these angels? Like, how do we know they're here? Who are these guides? Like, how yeah. can we tap into this yeah. belief that there are whether it's our ancestors, spiritual beings, whatever it may be, are are here with us, are guiding us. We're talking are, about this on the school of greatness. Protecting us, are yeah. leading us into yeah. a path of love. Yeah. So <clears throat> what I write about in my book is what I believe, and I always have a big disclaimer that says this is an opportunity to crack you open to believing something new, and, and if it's not for you, you choose how you choose mm-hmm, to perceive this. Mm-hmm. So not only do I talk about spirit guides and angels and deceased family members, but I also talk yeah. about your higher self. So if this is too woo-woo for you, hey, start let's... to tap into what is the voice of my higher self. Gotcha. Right? That okay. voice of my inner guidance system and that wisdom that I believe in is my is my true nature, right? But I I personally, Gabby Bernstein, I believe that I that we all have guides, ancestors, family members, teachers beings of uh, light beings energy beings that are supporting us in a in a form that is is uh, able to step in able to channel through us when we write books able Mm. to to be there in those darkest moments pick us up off the floor uh and 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 hold us in 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 discomfort and guide us to business opportunities or babies or whatever it is that we're looking for and it's always available to us that guidance but we just we cut it off we Mm. block it and Why so do we block the guidance? Fear is the reason we block it. Fear. Fear of what? Uh, it's not even fear. It's that false-based perception that we've built up around ourselves from those traumatic events, right? So we have these traumatic events early in life, and they continue to build and build and build. We build up a world of uh, false perceptions. I am this body. I am Gabby Bernstein. Mm. I am Lewis Howe. I've got the School of Greatness. People are I'm out a to New get York me. No one, I can't trust people. We, we, we create these right. beliefs. And you believe you're separate from others. You believe you're, you're better than or less than or not good enough. And all those stories, all those, those false pretenses are what, what many spiritual practices call the ego, mm-hmm. right? And that fear-based 
perception of yourself is misaligned with, with, with God, with love, with spirit, with angels, with guides. And so this book is all about how to get back into alignment so that you can hear that guidance and receive that guidance and be a channel for inspiration. And when you, when you clear and undo those patterns of fear and start to claim the pattern of love, Mm -hmm. that's when you are hooked up, super attractor, unstoppable, unstoppable, invisible doors open for you. It doesn't matter how low you are when you're starting this, you will go way further than you could possibly have imagined. And I am standing behind that subtitle methods for manifesting Mm. a life beyond your wildest dreams. Mm. Standing behind it. I love that. What's the difference between uh, spiritual guides or guides and intuition? When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. There's so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. In person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've learned the hard way that constantly holding on to your emotions and repeatedly choosing to not talk about your feelings will only make you feel worse and worse. And up until about 10 or 11 years ago, I was afraid to talk about my trauma that I experienced. And I know we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. But therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Lewis today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-E-W-I-S. You could call it the same thing. Your guides, your guides are your bridge from your fear-based thoughts back to your love, right? So if you uh-huh. pray and say, God, guide, higher self, angels, whatever. I yeah. give this to you. Mm. Figure it out, right? I don't, I don't know how I'm gonna get through this time, but yeah, I give it to you. That's how we surrender. Mm. People are like, I don't know how to surrender, I don't want to let it go, I don't know how to. Through prayer. Okay, prayer is the conduit. And then when we say that prayer or that intention, whatever you want to call it, and we allow ourselves to give it over to a higher power of our own understanding, a guide, God, spirit, grandma, whoever, then we're, we're taking that difficult experience, we're handing it over, and then we relax. Yeah. Because we think, okay, it's not on my, my shoulders anymore. It's like taking our ego out of ourself and putting it over here yeah. and saying, someone Giving else is gonna handle it. Help me undo yeah. this. And then their job is to pay attention. What's gonna show up for us? And so pay How do we pay attention? attention? Just, just be aware, stay calm, and stay chill, right? And be conscious of, of how things start to speed up or the synchronicities that begin to happen around you. Or if you are like, you know, guides, I want to see a sign, and you're like, I need butterflies, and butterflies are everywhere. Right. Yeah, I've, I'm getting thousands and thousands of emails from readers that are reading this book in the last two weeks. It's been out, and they're just like, 
Gabby, every single sign I've asked for is coming to me. And, and like, it just speeds up. Ask for a sign today. If you're having a difficult experience, say, guides, uh, what, what would your sign be? Don't think, just say it. Just say it, don't think. Oh, the sign like, itself? Like, like, a, like a pumpkin or anything. Uh, an eagle. Eagle is your sign. That's a good one. <laughs> it's strong. Yeah. See how everybody, how he answered that? It's going to be the first thing that comes yeah. to your mind. And now, if there's an issue that's happening in your life, just say to yourself silently today at the end of this podcast, just say, thank you, guides, thank you, universe, whatever you believe uh -huh. in, right? For showing me my eagle to remind me that I'm on the right path. So ask for the sign, the eagle. Thank you for revealing my eagle. Thank you for revealing it before I see the eagle. Yeah, thank you for so, revealing my eagle uh -huh. to remind me that I am being guided. Okay. Okay. And the eagle will mean whatever I give the meaning to, whether it's to make a decision on if something. It's, if or it's just it's being a, guided in general or gotcha. if it's being guided towards that that job or that healing or that whatever, right? Um, sometimes wow. I'll use a sign like, if I'm, I'm like, am I supposed to, to, to take this deal and I don't know what to do and exactly. I'm feeling so uncomfortable about it. And I'll say, show me a sign and I'll get this. And the thing is, if you don't get your sign, that's a sign too. But you absolutely will get your sign. If you're asking to, sh to be shown that you're being guided, 100% you're going to get your sign. Okay. Lewis is going to text me later, everybody. <laughs> it's on the eagle. <laughs> My eagle! Just have me a photo of like some massive eagle. So, so give me an example for people. And it could be an eagle like in a photo or an yeah, eagle, yeah. you know, Any on a image napkin. Of Not some eagle sitting on my <laughs> window, be. which is, would be amazing if that could happened. Could be that but, too. Um, so give me, so let's give an exa practical example for someone. Say someone says, uh, there's a, a female listening or a male listening and saying, okay, is this, should I go on a date with this person? Yeah. A second date with yeah. this person, right? Yeah. Just uh, something small. Show me my sign. Show me my sign. Yeah. And what if you don't see and the sign is to reveal that you're supposed to go on this date or to give you some guidance. And if you don't get the sign, if you don't get the sign, then, and you decide to go on the date anyway, mm -hmm. it's okay. There's still, still some learning in that. Yeah. There might be not. There have been times where I've done things that I didn't get my sign and they didn't work out necessarily, but I still learned something mm. from the experience. Has there ever been a time where you didn't see a sign and it did work out? Uh... Maybe you saw the sign later or something. It worked out in a different way, yeah, okay. right? So like if I was like, I need a sign about this situation and I didn't get the sign. Oh, here's an example from the book. Mm -hmm. So I was, uh, my, my two weeks before I was meant to conceive, my doctor, who was like a very conservative, Yale-trained physician in my little tiny country town, was like, you're, you're turning, well, I, I just turned 39. I was 38 when I was pregnant and I just turned 39. So he considered me 40, okay? <laughs> I was like, dude, I was 38 a week ago wow. and now I'm fucking wow. 40. So he makes me 40. And he's like, we believe that you need to deliver 40 and 40, 40 weeks at, when you're 40 years old. And I was resisting and resisting. And I was like, I'm not 40 and I don't want to be induced and I don't want to wow. force the baby out. And I don't want to have that kind of thing. And I, um, so, I was so torn up because he was so nervous and that was infiltrating my fear, my trauma, fears. Yeah. And so I was in his office and I was like, okay, universe, I can't make the decision. I need a sign. And so I said, show me a sign if following this path is the right move. And he walked in the door and he was wearing this necktie. And I said, Howie, what's on your tie? And he said, it's a, it's a cardinal. And I said, okay, in my head, I'm like, that's my sign. It's a cardinal. And so the next day I had to make a decision if I wanted to get booked. So I didn't have an opportunity to see my Cardinal before I made that mm. quote, that decision, because I had to book him in the schedule and he was leaving the next week. It was, it was mess. So I made the decision without seeing the sign. I said, to, okay, to, to be induced, to schedule an induction. Wow. It's not what I wanted. And so I made that decision. 
I was in my bath. I texted my girlfriend. I said, okay, I'm going to be induced. This is happening. And she writes back to me, that's a great decision. I feel really good about it. And I know it's good for you because I saw a cardinal land on wow. my window just no. now. Cardinal land no on way. my window. Did you tell her the sign? She had no idea about the sign. Wow. But here's the thing. So I got my cardinal. It gave me the guidance that I was on the right path. I was meant to be induced on a Wednesday. On a Monday, I'm lying in my bed. I'm finishing the finishing touches of the book because I wanted to deliver the book before I delivered the baby. <laughs> right. So I stand up to go to the bathroom and my water breaks. No way. And then here I am and I have the most epic Beyonce birth. Like there was nobody at the hospital. I had like rolling hills out my window and like I was the only one birthing in the maternity ward. Oh my gosh. And I had, you know, the sun setting. So the whole point is, is that my sign was saying, yeah, you're on the right track. Make the decision so that I could relax. Mm -hmm. Because if I hadn't made that decision, Stressed. I wouldn't have relaxed. My water wouldn't have broke because I would have been too freaked out and tense. And everything worked out. Wow. Do you see what I'm saying here? Yeah, of course. So if you don't see your sign, that's still guidance. And then, you yeah. know, if you get your sign, even if it's something you didn't want, you know? What has uh, been the biggest lesson of motherhood that you were unexpectedly... Because you have lots of friends who are mothers. Yeah, I had no you idea. You have so many fans of yours who are moms that you speak to all the time and maybe you thought you knew what they were going through or you could, you could speak into some of their challenges but what have you really learned maybe three biggest lessons so far about right, motherhood and what moms experience yeah in the first year of motherhood. so in terms of what moms experience and and what happens and i think my son has taught me has given me the greatest gift of healing i could ever have imagined really? because as soon as i became pregnant what happens for women is all your shit comes up, and for men too. Oh yeah. You know, when you're like about to bring life into the world and be responsible you're, you're for that scared. life, your your darkest demons start to come to the surface, and so many people just push it down, push it down, push it down. And so I don't push things down. I was like, let's go. Okay, I'm ready. Let, I'm willing. Let's go for this. And so wow. I, you know, I worked out along the way, and then the postpartum, and that gave me even a greater, greater step of healing. So his presence in my life has already put me on a massive healing path. I've had, you know, fast forward healing in the last year and a half. So that I'm grateful. Wow. My son has taught me that I am going to make my highest priority in life to honor his feelings. People keep asking me, like, what's your parenting advice? I'm like, look, I've been doing this for 10 months, but I can tell you this. <laughs> Honor their feelings. Imagine that was something mm, that we experienced. Amazing. I mean, beautiful. you'd be a different person. I'd be You're a different beautiful. person. And, and, and if we could honor any human's feelings, any human being, particularly a child. And then I guess the third thing that I've learned as a mother, uh, there's so much, but um, is that they, are their, they have their own guides. They have their own, they're, they're mm. not, oh, this is big. He is not not my son, Oliver Rockland. He is not, you know, the son to Zach, the son to Gabby. He is his own spirit having a human experience. Wow. And he is a person. He's not a baby. Wow. Yeah. And you're just here to guide him. You're here to... I am in a archetypal position to be a guide and a love and a support for him. But I find myself often being like, my baby is so cute. My baby, my baby. And then I have to stop myself and say, Oliver. Not my mm. baby. He's not my baby. He's him. Wow. So when we reflect our judgment on someone else, we don't like something, we're angry at them, we're pissed off at them, whatever it is. How can we shift that to see the good in them? Read Judgment Detox. 
<laughs> okay. Because <laughs> sometimes I'm just like, yeah, I wrote a book about it. Yeah, exactly. And I, mean I get that. it. But, but I'll answer your question fully right now, which is like, when we are in judgment of somebody else, what's happening is that we're projecting onto them our own wounds. Gosh. And so the second step of judgment detox is to, well, the first step is Heal to- your wounds. Is to honor your wounds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's so hard. You know, it's so hard to not judge other people, isn't it? Gets a lot of. I it gotta gets tell you, easier that you practice book it, yeah. helped me so much. And do I not judge all the time? Of course, I still judge. But when I judge, I don't believe in it, mm. and I get out of it quickly. So what do you say when you're judging someone else? I witness my judgment without judgment. Step one: I honor the wound. Okay. Oh, I'm judging them because I'm feeling insecure. I'm judging them because they're triggering something, yeah. right? And then I continue on the journey of the judgment detox, which you know just releasing and forgiving and and uh, seeing someone for the first time, sure. choosing to see them through the lens of love. It's, it's a fabulous book. See them through a lens of love, yeah. yeah. Get that book too. What is, do you think is your greatest accomplishment in 40 years of life? My greatest accomplishment in 39 years, two weeks away from 40, <laughs> Don't age me. Um, I can't believe I'm 40, oh my God. So my greatest accomplishment is the freedom I'm feeling right now, today, mm. here with you, is my greatest accomplishment. Mm. My, my recovering from trauma is my greatest accomplishment. Wow. It will be the best contribution I can give to the world. Wow. I am going to help people because I, even just being in this state of freedom will help people watching because they will see what they are capable of. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. And do you feel like you will, you'll be able to make a bigger impact in the world by being a mother or? I've already, yeah. So I've noticed myself in my talks, I would always have a really good boundary, which you have to have, as you know, when we do the uh, work we do, because if I'm gonna get up and answer questions, people, oh, my, my audience is like, you know, coming up being like, <laughs> I have a brain injury or I'm suicidal or, yeah. I'm, you know, and I have to hold them in their, in their, in their transformation, but not take it on. Mm -hmm. But as a mother now, I don't feel that I'm taking it on, but I have a way deeper level of compassion for people that I'd never had before. Because you're experiencing all I'm this I'm seeing stuff. their innocent child in them. Wow. I don't see them as an adult who hasn't taken care of themselves or as an adult who's done stupid things. I see them as a wounded child and all I want to do is just hold them into love. And that's, I mean, even at one of my talks, this one woman was so wounded and I, I actually went as far as asking her to come up so I could just hug her. And that is so against everything I've ever done in my career. Why? I would never like touch someone or, you know, have it. Like, it doesn't mean that I wouldn't hug somebody right. like casually, yeah, but yeah. I held her like an ama hug. You know what I mean? I was like, this is, and I kept holding her and I said, you're safe, you're safe, you're safe. And I don't know what came over me. The other thing that's happening is I'm becoming more unapologetic about my mediumship. So we're all mediums. Mm. We all have the ability to listen to spirit and let, but I can, you know, I throughout my life have always heard messages and you know, now I'm just like giving messages to people. Like, and I always have channeled throughout my talking, but now where normally I would say, you know, okay, this is the guidance. If I'm hearing it as a guide, I'll say what I'm hearing for you is this mm. and I'll deliver mm. it in a yeah, different way. Yeah, smart, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So people can receive it, not if they don't believe in some type of medium stuff, they can, they can receive it. Sometimes I'll just tell them, like I think you know, your grandmother like, is telling like me Tim's something. Tim's telling you this, yeah. Sometimes, not always. I, who, I've never had a, someone who calls himself a medium that does this practice on the show. I've been pitched like different mediums to come on and I've always been kind of resistant, but Lately, I'm like, you know what? I think it'd be a fun experience oh, for yeah, me yeah, to. Oh yeah, yeah, Is there someone that you think is like the best there's at so, what they there's do? There's so many. I mean, um, yeah. Let's talk offline because I can later, sit here yeah. and tell you five yeah, or six yeah. different names, <laughs> and I don't want to offend anybody out there. I know a lot of mediums. Sure, sure. I don't want that one being like, why didn't you say me on Lewis House? So I'll give you some suggestions. Okay. Yeah, great. They're all good though. It'll be fun. Yeah. What do you think is missing from you 
to get to a, the next level in your life, whatever that looks like for you? Um, What's missing? There's, there's a little bit more trauma work that I've got to face. Mm. It's what not is, missing though. It's not like it's, 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 per, it's in perfect time. Around what? What's the trauma around? Um, just a lot of the sexual trauma, the shame yeah. around the sexual trauma. Yeah. Cause you, all, you talked about it on our show a couple years ago, I mm -hmm. think, a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. And I know you've been doing a lot of work over the last few years with it, but do you feel like you're fully, you're not fully healed with those mm -hmm. things yet? I don't think mm -hmm. I am either. Mm -hmm. Even though I talk about it for the last six you're, years. You're, you're more healed than I'm, ever before, but every I'm at peace a lot, a lot about work. it, but there's still little triggers. Yeah. EMDR. Yeah, so I keep hearing that. I really recommend it to you. Okay, I'll try that. Yeah. Where do you think you'll be once you have that uh, final healing? Freedom is my end game, right? I hope to live for a long, long time feeling free. You know, I, had, um, I did talk with Deepak Chopra yesterday and I was on the plane with him coming here and we were chatting about, you know, I was like, do you, do you, you know, feel triggered or traumatized? You know, he's like, not at all. With I'm happy nothing. all the time. And, and it's because of his practice. It's, it's because of his devotion to his practice. Uh, so that's, I'm getting closer and closer to that. It doesn't mean I'll be enlightened. It doesn't mean I'll have mm -hmm. bad experiences. I won't have bad experiences. It doesn't mean I won't be a human, but that I can feel free, even when things are tough. What do you think it is that he has or people like him have that allow them to have zero connection to or not allow the ego to affect them in a, in a triggering way, in a reactive, defensive way, guarded, mm -hmm. when maybe something bad happens to him? Maybe a business deal goes down. He's a person who grew up being taught that the divine is the direction, that you know God was the... I don't, I don't want to use language that's not his, but right, right. he had a very spiritual upbringing, so it was a foundational experience for him and he's he's devoted his life to to being uh at ease mm. and meditate he's up very early meditates for two hours i think in the morning yeah. and you know i think it's it's his devotion and commitment that's let let him be that way isn't it amazing that when i when i am consistent with my meditation practice i feel like i'm unstoppable like the longer i meditate i feel like i see it's like the matrix you'll see someone saying something to you and you see exactly someone cut you off you need you and become a super attractor. Like, oh, this wow. is what the whole book is about, baby. Yeah. Is that the more we practice being in alignment, <laughs> yeah. the more that unstoppable experience occurs. Yeah. But when we are just living out of alignment, we feel out of alignment. That's so it. That things don't work. That's it. We're pushing. What do you think is missing uh, from your point of view as a friend of me? What's missing in my life to help me attract more of good things that I want. In my I think life. there's a little more trauma work to do. I can feel uh -huh. it. And you said it a few times. Yeah. And so I'm going to hold your hand while I say this, because yeah. I love you so much and I will help you if you need any okay. guidance and support just to be, listen and be there for you because you have the potential for that same freedom that I'm talking about now. We yeah. all do, but particularly yeah. you're right there, but there's some, sh there's shame and there's places to go to that. You, I think you're ready to go now. Yeah. And that it hasn't been, there's been no, no step along the way that's been an accident. It's all been mm. perfect order for you and it's all been unfolding perfectly yeah. and you know, humbling moments and difficult times mm. and things that come up only to get you to the place where you're ready to crack open more yeah. and face some of the, dark, the darkest stuff. Right. And you need to do that with a, so I'm hearing that you need to do that with a, so a, a, with a facilitator that you trust, mm -hmm. um, someone that you feel safe with and someone that will really give you that, hold that space for you to go to the places that scare you. Mm. Sounds good. I'm in. Because you're, you're doing really big shit in the world, yeah. you know, big stuff, big work. And it's going to be massive the more free you become. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. 
excited to continue to work. And I'm really proud of you because the fact that you even asked that question is uh -huh. so major because it means mm. you're willing. Yeah, definitely. I'm so proud. I love you so much. Thank you. I love you. Yeah, and you said the first step is willingness. And in, in what? You said willingness is the key for something before in one of our interviews. Willingness is the catalyst for change because yeah. the moment that we become willing, it's like we invite the next right action. Yeah. We invite God into our life to show us where to go and what to mm -hmm. do. The willingness that you've developed over your life over the last 36 years got you into this seat right now with me while yeah. we're talking about things that we've both been through for you to say what's next and for me to honestly and authentically say this is what I think is next. Yeah, okay. Okay, so I, I trust you. I trust that's your you. willingness. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and it inspired you on your journey towards greatness. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's episode with all the important links. And if you want weekly exclusive bonus episodes with me personally, as well as ad-free listening, then make sure to subscribe to our Greatness Plus channel exclusively on Apple Podcasts. Share this with a friend on social media and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts as well. Let me know what you enjoyed about this episode episode in that review. I really love hearing feedback from you and it helps us figure out how we can support and serve you moving forward. And I want to remind you if no one has told you lately that you are loved, you are worthy, and you matter. And now it's time to go out there and do something great. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. When it comes to teaching kids and teens about money, practice makes perfect. That's where Greenlight comes in. With a debit card and money app of their own, kids learn to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest. Parents send instant money transfers, create custom chores, and automate allowance, while kids track their spending, set savings goals, and practice money skills they can use today and for life. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com podcast.